Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, praise the Lord. So this morning I talked about realizing uh, in what, what to do in times of trouble. Uh, when trouble comes and you're under attack of the enemy, uh, do, do these kinds of things, these things, and they'll help you. Number one, realize that God is not your adversary. I said, don't run from God, run to him. I said, determine to be helped. Know that God is not your problem because Jesus said, I came to give life and to give it to you more abundantly. Amen. Uh, I, I skipped over a couple of things. I said, take your stand. Just take your stand. Amen. Resist every thought that's contrary to the word of God. And so tonight I want to talk about point number two, and that's make sure the Bible promises what you're believing for. If you're in a situation where you're under attack, then what, it, what, does it, what do you need from God? What is it that you're wanting to do? How, how are you wanting to, to, to come out from this? Make sure you have Bible, make sure you have the word of God underneath you. And, and alternatively, Maybe, maybe you're not believing God for anything in particular in connection with this attack. You're just under attack. Not because you're going in a particular direction, but you just feel like you're under attack. Well, uh, make sure your plan of action in life is scriptural. In other, words, in other words, where are you going? Where are you going in life? What, what's your aim? What's your, what's your objective? What, what are you all about? Make sure you have scripture for it. Over in Romans chapter 10, Turn over there with me if you would. Romans chapter 10. Hallelujah. Romans 10 verse 17 says, For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is how faith comes. It comes by hearing. Now, except for the spiritual gift of faith, which is another uh, uh, degree of faith altogether. All faith is the same, but it's another operation of faith. The gift of faith, sometimes we say like the Amplified Bible, special faith, there is a gift of the spirit of faith that comes a different way. That doesn't come by hearing the word. It just comes by the will of God. I mean, it's, you know, all of these gifts come as the spirit wills. Well, if he doesn't will, uh, you can't make it happen. You can't give yourself the gift of faith. So I'm not talking about that. But ordinary Bible faith, whether it's for healing or whether it's for prosperity, or whether it's for uh, uh, authority and dominion in life, whether it's for a victorious life, whether it's for healing, whatever it is, faith for those things come by hearing what the Bible says about those things. You're not going to have faith for healing if you never feed yourself what the, on the word of God concerning healing. Amen. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. A lot of times people try to have faith for things that uh, the Bible doesn't promise. Uh, people get excited sometimes when they hear about uh, the message of faith and you take things that Jesus said and, and they'll take things out of context. And, you know, Jesus said, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive it. And whoever says and shall not doubt in his heart but believes those things he says will come to pass, he can have whatever he says. Well, you know, that those, Jesus meant what he said, but you have to take everything that the Bible says uh, and put it together to get the whole picture. You know, in, in one sense, uh, you know, we, I don't know about you, but my Bible is a red letter edition. All the words of Christ are in red. Well, uh, his words ought to be in red. They ought to be emphasized. But really, every commandment from God, every word of God ought to be in red. Ephesians 2.10 is just as much the word of God as John 3.16. Amen. It's just as all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And so, uh, you know, take everything that the Bible teaches on any given subject and put it together. And so, yes, you can have anything. God will give you anything you ask. But over in 1 John, he said, if we ask anything according to his will, 
Well, that's, a, that's an interesting uh, uh, addition to the thought, isn't it? You can't ask things contrary to God's will and expect him to, to do it for you. Amen. Number, there's, there's a, a number of reasons why you can't. You can't because God's not gonna do something that's contrary to his will. Okay, he's just not going to. I don't care how much faith you might have, your faith is not gonna move him to do something contrary to his will. The good news is he wills so many good things that we have barely scratched the surface of how much good he wills for us. We're not really in danger of running out of, an, of all the good things, okay? We, we don't even have a, 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 a anything but just a small portion, really, of what's available to us. It's all out there, but I'm just saying, made experience, we're not walking in all of the goodness of God yet yeah. because his goodness exceeds anything you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, but he's not going to give you things that are contrary to his word. And secondly, you, when, when Jesus, when he said, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive it, before he said that, he said, have the faith of God. Well, you can't have the faith of God apart from the word. You just can't. And so sometimes people get all excited about, well, preacher said I can have what I say. And then they, then they start, you know, their mind starts running wild. And so they just think, start thinking about, you know, things, anything that they want. And you can't have faith for something the Bible doesn't promise you because faith comes by hearing the Bible. Faith comes for the, for, for the promises of God. Faith for those promises are, are in the promises. And so you can't just have faith. I, you know, I've told this story a number of times. It's kind of ridiculous, but, but uh, it happens a lot of times. There was a man in our church when we first started, when we first started in the farmhouse, the Hickson's house out in Fort White. When we first started our church, he was there on the, the very first time we met, and he was with us for a number of years, and he was a good man. He was a precious man, but he would get carried away every now and then. And uh, he came to church one time, and he announced to me, he said, Pastor, he said, I'm gonna win the uh, uh, the Publishers Clearing House Sweepstakes. He said, I'm gonna win that. I said, you are. He said, yep. He said, I don't remember if Ed McMahon, was he in that at that time? He said, if it was, he said Ed McMahon is coming to my house. He said, I'm gonna win that. I, I, I think it was $25,000 a week. I think it's more than that now. I think it's 35,000 a week or something, whatever it was. He said, I'm gonna win that. He's coming to my house. I'm, I said, he is. He said, you, I said, you, you're gonna win that? Yep. I said, what makes you say that? He said, Jesus said, I can have whatsoever I say. And I'm saying it, I've claimed it, and I'm gonna win the, uh, the sweepstakes. Well, you know, that's not in the Bible. There's no promise that you're gonna win the, uh, the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes. There's no promise for that. The, the Bible promises to bless you and to prosper you, and he'll bless all the work of your hands Maybe, maybe he, his hands was involved in sending in, you know, coupons or something. I don't know, you know. But that's not the way that works. The, you have to have scripture. See, have scriptures for the things that are important to you and feed on those verses of scripture so that there's a, there's a constant flow of faith for what you believe for. I, I know in my own life, I have a group of, of, you don't need 45 scriptures for everything you believe God for. Uh, I have a lot of verses that I read on a regular basis. Every day I start my, my day off and I feed on certain verses of scripture that have to do with healing and provision, prosperity and those things. I feed myself continually along those lines. Now, I have a lot of scriptures. I've got like nine pages of scriptures, you know, that are printed out. Well, I don't, I don't go over all of those every day, but, but they're all dear to me. Every one of them speak life to me. And so at different times, you know, the week, I'll select different ones and I'll feed on three or four of those verses. And so if you ask me, what are you believing? If you, you know, you believing for this, you believing for that, I can tell you right away what, I'm, what scriptures I'm standing on. If, 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 if I ask you to, tonight, and I'm not going to, but if I ask you how many of you are believing God for something, I imagine a lot of hands would go up. Would you be able to immediately... Without, you know, looking all, you know, what am I going to do? Where, you know, would you immediately be able to, to say, and I'm believing I'm standing on this scripture and this scripture and this scripture. If you can't do that, you're not building a foundation for your faith. 
have scripture. Be standing on the word of God. Don't just be standing on hot air. Don't just be standing on presumption. A lot of people believe they're in faith, but they're really in presumption. Now, uh, when, I, when I first started at Rhema in 1979, Fred Price had just uh, preached at Rhema a couple years before that, a series. He came to the, to the campus and he preached a, a series called Faith, Foolishness, or Presumption. And for several years, they showed the videos. It was several sessions of that. They showed that to the incoming class, like during orientation week, every year because there was so much foolishness going on. People were claiming other people for their spouses. They hadn't even met them before. Yeah, there's a woman, I saw her in the choir and, and I just claimed her for my wife. I don't even know how, this happened. This, a man told Brother Hagen this. He said, yep, yeah. he said, there's a woman, she's in the choir and he didn't even know her name. He said, she's my wife, I've claimed her. And Brother, Brother Hagen said, you know, have you even seen her up close? <laughs> she might not look as interesting up close as she does way away in the, in the choir. And besides that, she has something to say about this. Amen. Now, it's one thing if the Lord tells you, but obviously, he's not telling a lot of people those things. Yeah, one, one man was, was confessing. He came up to Brother Hagin and told him. He said, the Lord, he said, no, he didn't say the Lord. He just said, I've claimed your bronco. He had a Ford Bronco. And he said, I claim it, Brother Hagin. Brother Akins just laughed at him. He said, you can claim it all you want, but you're not getting it because I'm not giving it to you. <laughs> he said, the Lord would have to tell me that. He hasn't told me. He never did give, that, give him that bronco either. So people, people will, will uh, those are kind of extreme things and you know better than that, obviously. But make sure you're not just building a spiritual air castle where you've just got this thing, you're believing God. What does the Bible say? Have Bible. Amen for what you're believing for or have Bible for, for your plan in life, where you're going in life. What, 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 what are the things that drive you and that motivate you? Make sure you're undergirded with the word of God. Uh, go with me to Psalm 119. I quote this scripture a lot when I open a passage of, of scripture when, or when we get ready to, I get ready to minister on uh, I, I, you'll recognize this verse. It's one, verse 130, Psalm 119, 130. Like I said, I quote this a lot, but it's good to read it. Psalm 119, 130. The entrance of your words give light. You ever hear me say that? The entrance of your word gives light. Now, the reason I quote this verse of Scripture is, is I like what it says, but I like the next part. It gives understanding to the simple. See, I qualify What did I say? Oh, did I say verse 30? I'm sorry, it's verse 130. 119, 130. I said 130? <laughs> <laughs> the entrance <laughs> of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. You know, you don't have to be real complicated. Amen. You don't have to really be a brainiac. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to have a lot on the ball. And that's why I like this verse of scripture. The entrance of God's word will give anybody light. It'll give you direction in life. And you see, if you have the light of God's word, if you feed on God's word, your steps will be directed of the Lord. He will direct you in life, your, your goals, your dreams, your, your plans, your, your, the direction you are, are going in life, the things that you long for. They'll, it'll be affected by the light of God's word. The entrance of his word gives light. So make sure you have the word of God on everything. Amen? And you, you can see I'm moving quickly. I've already, I've already covered point number two. I didn't even go a long time on that. Verse, uh, point number three. If you're going to, to get out of trouble, point number three, make sure you're living clean. And I'm not talking about soap and shampoo. <laughs> Amen. Make sure you are not practicing a sinful lifestyle. Amen. 
Go with me to 1 John 1, verse 7. 1 John 1, verse number 7. Now, I know that it's real popular today. Uh, people are filling church buildings all over the country and even around the world, preaching a message that all you have to do is love God. If you'll just love God, that's all that's necessary. But loving God and just coming to God and loving him isn't all that's necessary. It's a false, it's a false gospel and a false doctrine that teaches you that you can come to Christ and you don't have to do anything. You don't have to make any changes. You don't have to uh, uh, submit your life to him. All you have to do is love him. He will take you like you are, which he does, but he will bless you without you changing or doing anything to line yourself up with God's word. That's just not true. That's a false gospel. Amen. Uh, you cannot live as a Christian just any way you want to and expect the blessings of God to just f flow freely in your life. Now, God is merciful, but he also requires growth from us. He requires us to grow in grace. The Christian life, I heard somebody say this this morning on TV, the Christian life, what it means to be a Christian is, is not just a one-time experience, it's a process. What it means to be a Christian is defined by a life of yielding to God. And so you have to, you have to live in a way that pleases God if you want God's blessing in your life. Now, again, that doesn't say that, that doesn't mean you're earning anything. It's not a matter of earning, because if it was on the basis of earning and what we deserve, we wouldn't get anything. Because none of us deserve anything from God. Everything we receive from Him, we receive by His grace. And if the truth is known, whatever you are able to do to, to, uh, obey God, anything you do to obey him or to align yourself with his will, you couldn't do it if he didn't grace you to do it. You, you could not do it. You wouldn't, have a, you, wouldn't have, you wouldn't even have a desire for it if it wasn't for the grace of God. You wouldn't even love God if he didn't give you the grace to love him. So everything we have comes by the grace of God. But there is a response on our part. Well, amen. Have you found 1 John Verse number, chapter number one, verse number seven. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Notice we, are, we, we maintain a life of cleansing by walking in the light. Do, 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 does everybody understand what the word if means? In the English language, you wouldn't have to look it up, right? Everybody understands that if is a, a presents a, uh, a prerequisite. In other words, do this and something will happen. If you don't do this, that something won't happen. That's what the word if means. It's in this setting. It, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, well, what does that mean? Walk in the light that you have. Walk in the light that you have. God doesn't require more from you than you know if you are, are taking advantage of what you know. Now, there's another side to that. God does require, when, when, for instance, what I'm, what I'm trying to say here is this, this other side of this. People who don't believe in healing because they've never heard it. Well, God is gracious for those who've never heard it. But on the other hand, if, if you have a Bible, is there any excuse for not having heard? Not really. God expects all of us to get into the word of God and find out what's, what belongs to us. And if we don't know, and, and he has put in our hands uh, the, the ability to know, then he requires something from us even though we don't know it because we should. But what I'm talking about is none of us are perfect in our, uh, we're moving to perfection, but none of us are presently in a perfect uh, 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 condition in our walk with God. And so you walk in the light of what you know. I wouldn't be too concerned about walking in the light of what you don't know. Because most people aren't walking in the light of what they do know. Take care of what you do know and 
God will, God will enlighten you about some other things. We're not most of the time missing it because of what we don't know. We're missing it because of what we do know and we don't do. Or we do know and we do contrary to that. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, it says that, that we have fellowship with him and the blood of his son cleanses us from all sin. Persistent sin, persistent sin will, will lead to judgment sooner or later. Persistent sin will, will lead to judgment sooner or later. Now, there are a lot of people that don't believe God judges people in the church, that Jesus bore all of our judgment and therefore there's, it would be impossible for God to judge a Christian of sin and bring judgment on him since Jesus has already taken all of that. Well, that's one of those spiritual air castles. See, people, people see one side of the truth and then they just believe that one side. There's another side. And they're not in conflict. It's all the same truth. It's just another side to the truth. Turn with me over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, this was an incident or a, or a, or a situation that was going on in the church at Corinth. And In verse number 17, chapter 11, seven, verse 17, Paul's writing. Now, this is not to, the un, this is not to unbelievers. The, this is to believers, to Christians. Verse 17, he said, Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. You know, sometimes a preacher has to tell you the truth. He should always. My point is, sometimes he has to tell you things you don't like to hear. Paul said, now in, in giving these instructions, he had given previous instructions, now he's, he's changing uh, his topics here. He said, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you're actually worse off from coming to church than we are if you, if you stayed home. <laughs> That's terrible, isn't it? You're actually worse off you came to church and you were worse off for coming. There's a billboard. For first of all, you know it's not going to be good, a good night. First of all, number one, when you come together as a church, I hear that, that there are divisions among you and in part I believe it. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. Now, to give some background in the New Testament, they had two uh, areas where they ate together, two meals, you could say. One was called the love fest or the love feast, and it, was, it, was, it corresponds to our modern-day uh, dinner on the ground or our potluck dinner or when we have our fellowships where everybody brings their food and we all eat together. Only they did this on a, on a regular basis. People would bring all of their, uh, their food, and the idea was to share with one another and so that those who had plenty weren't any different than those who had little. Have you ever noticed in our fellowships, Nobody go, if you go, if you go away hungry, it's your own fault because there is food there that is, is, we have to give it away at the end. Isn't that right? Divvy it up. So that's, that's, the, that's the way it's supposed to be. Well, they got into a situation where they had very affluent people in their church and they had very poor people in their church and the affluent people would come and they would, they would feast and gorge themselves and they didn't share it with just them. They just kept it to them and their family and other people were sitting nearby and, and they didn't hardly have anything to eat. Not only that, they were drinking and some people were drinking so much wine that they were getting drunk and others, you know, didn't have anything at all. So he said, uh, for in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others and one is hungry and another is drunk. He said, this is not the Lord's Supper. Now the Lord's Supper is where you take what we call communion. And they were getting these two things mixed up. 
He said, what? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. It's a pretty strong, strong word of rebuke, isn't it? For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Now, people have taken this uh, and, and added interpretation to it that's not 100% wrong, but it doesn't really reflect what's going on. Uh, one thing that, that I heard growing up, I heard it preached like this, if anyone eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord and you're unworthy. And so uh, we would examine ourselves to see if we were worthy and if, and if we weren't perfect, we, well, I'm not worthy to take the Lord's. That's not what he's saying. We're all worthy to partake communion, partake of the Lord's Supper because we belong to him. Yeah. He made us worthy. And so the, newer, the New King James and other, other modern translations say it a little bit better. Whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. Well, what was the unworthy manner? The unworthy manner was this selfishness that was going. You can't take this verse out of its context. He had just described the unworthy manner in which they were eating. They were, they were uh, eating and drinking without any regard to the others in the church. That's selfishness. He said, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. Well, that wouldn't be talking to sinners. Is this talking to Christians? He, he, he addressed this. He said, when you come together in the church, He's talking about church people. He's talking about born again people. Whoever eats this uh, eats and drinks in an unworthy, unworthy manner, that is without love, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Because we're, what is the Lord's body? We're all, we are. We're members of one another. Now there's a secondary application that became real popular and I 100% believe it and endorse it. When I first became uh, acquainted with the word of faith message. I'd never heard anybody teach the fact that uh, we need to, we need to uh, discern the Lord's body in the sense that his body was broken for us. And so we, we always partook of communion and we always were, were very uh, respectful of the blood and we would reflect on the blood and thank God for the blood but we really didn't understand the fact that his, he shed his blood but his body was, was his, by his stripes we are healed by his blood and his body there's healing to us well brother Hagen was one of the ones that really brought this truth to the forefront and he preached it everywhere he went that that's what this is talking about well it's, it, it is but it's a secondary application I, I completely endorse it. I completely believe it. But that's really not what he was talking about here. He was, this was not a healing message. This was a, a, a love message. This was a message about what, how they were offending God by the way they were treating one another. That was the not discerning of the Lord's body. If you look at the context, uh, like I said, many times scriptures have another application and they're valid and I, and I believe in that other application. But that's not the first application. The main point was, how are you treating your brothers and sisters? For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together, eat, wait for one another. But if one is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord. Well, that, that's New Testament too. 
I said, that's New Testament too. That's just as much New Testament as anything else. Amen. Amen. Yes, if, you, if a Christian persists in wrongdoing, now God is merciful and we are living in a day of tremendous grace and, and we thank God for that. And God will put up with things for a long, long, long time. He's very patient. But if a Christian just persists in sin and will not judge himself, he said, if we do not judge ourselves, we will be judged of the Lord. Well, you don't want to get into that. Amen. You need to live right. You need to live right. You need to, you need to honor your marriage vows. You need to honor your, your business vows. You need to honor morality. You need to honor your word. You, you need to... You need to to, to keep yourself clean on the inside. When the Spirit of God is dealing with you about things that you need to change, you need to change them. Amen. And, and if you're doing wrong, stop. Now, see, I have utmost patience with someone who is, who is trying. They're giving effort. They might stumble over the same thing over and over and over. And, and God is very merciful and he's very gracious. If, if you're reaching for more and, you're, and, you're, and you know that you missed the mark and even though you miss it over and over, if you keep coming back and you say, God, I'm gonna get this right and repent and make it right, God will work with you, work with you, work with you. What I'm talking about is people who are doing wrong and they're making plans to do wrong again. For instance, if you, if you uh, we, we know that uh, drinking and drunkenness is a sin. Well, you know, you, you might have a, a problem with that sin. Notice I didn't say you just might have a problem. I don't say, well, I got a problem. Yeah, your problem is a sin problem. So I'm not trying to, I want you to understand, I, I'm not just trying to excuse things. But let's say your sin problem is you like to drink and you, and you drink and you get drunk. I will work with you, or it could be a drug habit. Maybe you've got a drug problem that you've had for a long time and, and, and you keep stumbling and you and you. And you you do right and you purpose to do right and then you fall back into it. I, listen, I will, that doesn't even trouble me. Doesn't trouble me, doesn't disappoint with me. I will work with you. If you need help, I mean, I'll be there. But if you've still got, if you've still got a, 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 a liquor cabinet, you're not trying to do better. Isn't that right? When I, when I got back into fellowship of the Lord, I had been doing drugs for several years. And, and I didn't stop right away. I still played around with some of this. And I remember the, the day, I mean, I remember the, the, very vividly the place I was at when I finally had to realize I've got to get rid of this stash because I can't pretend that I'm wanting to live right when I've got this stuff in my cabinet that I'm holding for another day. I spent a lot of money on that, those drugs and I put it in the garbage. And about five minutes later, I went back to the garbage and started digging through the garbage. I said, what am I doing? That's like $150. I'm digging through. Then I realized, what a pitiful thing. I'm going through the garbage trying to get my... my my drugs, I had to make a decision. I got to get this out of my life. Amen. Amen. So if you are, Paul said it like this, make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You got to get those things out of your life. And if you're playing around and if you're making provisions and you're setting yourself up, so just, you know, on a day when you just might be real carnal, you know, you have something to fall back on, your heart's not right. Well, praise the Lord, it's the truth. Amen. Persistent sin will lead to judgment. And I'm not gonna get through all the other three tonight. <laughs> praise the Lord. Amen. In, uh, we read 1 Corinthians, I'll just, I'll just stay here a little longer. We read 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Go with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter five. You say, well, that's just one verse. You just took that one example. 1 Corinthians chapter five. It is actually reported, verse number one says. Can you, can you see 
the exasperation can you sense the frustration and and the sense of of astonishment the sense of violation of of what is right when paul said it is actually reported that there is sex, sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife. Now, not his mother, but evidently his, his father had remarried. You know, what goes on in a church gets out. Amen. And Pastor Angela made some comments Wednesday night a week ago, not this past Wednesday, but the previous Wednesday, and uh, she went back to her notes, and it was in her notes 10 years ago. She said the same thing. And she said, you know, the way you live as a Christian affects your testimony and affects the testimony of the church. It does. It absolutely does. And he said that it's reported. In other words, other people are talking about this. It's not a good thing. Other people are talking about the fact that there is sexual immorality going on and it's pretty extreme. It's even more extreme than, than, than the heathens. That a man has taken his father's wife away from her evidently and was living with her. He said, you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he, he who has done this thing might be taken away from among you. For I indeed as absent in body but present in spirit have already judged as though I were present him who has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and when you are gathered together along with my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. He said, do you not know the little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven. He's saying here that he had judged this by the Spirit of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit. This was something he did by the anointing, by the direction of the Spirit of God. And he commanded the church leaders there. He said to turn this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. This was a believer in their church. Now we know it was because Paul said another place, uh, who are we to judge outside, people outside the church? We judge people who are in the church. He said, who are we to judge people outside? We don't judge people outside. Did he say that? Do you remember that? Who are we to judge those who are outside? No, we judge people inside. So this was somebody in the church. Notice a Christian could be turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Now that explains something. When in chapter 11, when he said, if you persist in sin, he said, if you don't judge yourself, you will be judged. And when you are judged, you're chastened of the Lord. You remember that? Well, it's not God making. He said, for this reason, some in the church, did I read that wrong? No. Not some, many. For this reason, many, this is chapter 11. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. There are a lot of people in that church had died premature. Many, that's not a few. This wasn't just something obscure that just happened and nobody noticed. Many people had died and many people were weak and sick in that church because they wouldn't judge themselves in this area of sin. I've noticed this, that, that you'll notice where the man in chapter five was living in immorality. It came to a point where the apostle Paul, by the spirit of God, had to give direction to the, to the uh, church leaders there to turn this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. But notice where the other case was concerned. It didn't seem to be all that outrageous. In other words, somebody doing what this man did, taking his his father's wife, his stepmother, away from his father, now he's living with her. Even the Gentiles didn't practice that kind of insanity. That's nuts. That's no, everybody knows that's wrong. You would think that would be the big thing, but notice judgment had already fallen on these other things. The Lord Jesus in a vision when he appeared to Brother Hagin, he said, I will judge spiritual sins quicker than I will physical sins. 
What do I mean by physical sins? Sexual immorality, those things of the flesh. They're all wrong, but the Lord Jesus told Brother Hagin, he said, I'll judge spiritual sins before I'll judge quicker than I will physical sins. And that's exactly what had happened in this church because it was already happening. Many were, had already died. Many were weak and sick because of, because of just not walking in love. That's something to think about. Well, praise the Lord. He turned this, this Christian, this believer, over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. That tells me that, that when the Lord judged these people and it resulted in them being sick and dying, he didn't make them sick. God didn't make them sick. God didn't kill them. He took his hand of blessing off of them and Satan destroyed their flesh. God doesn't do the devil's work. God doesn't deal in, in making people sick. That's not, he's not in that. It, it would be contrary to everything Jesus came to reveal of the Father. God is a healer. He's a merciful one. And, and so he will not, he doesn't deal in sickness, in, in death, in destruction. Why? Because he's not the thief. The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. And if a Christian lives wrong long enough, it can cause God's hand of protection to come off of him and the thief, and the thief who steals, kills, and destroys will begin to work those things in that person's life. Now, praise God. That's not the only place this talks about it. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, the Bible says, let every word be established. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy, the first chapter. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Verse number 18, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. So this is talking about Christians, is it not? Of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So here you have another case where the Spirit of God led the Apostle Paul to turn somebody over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. So this is not, this is not an obscure teaching that I'm teaching tonight. This is like the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Well, we have them right here. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. It's, 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 not, it's not good news except in the fact that now you know uh, how you can avoid these things. Amen, live good, live clean, praise God. Hallelujah. Now, there's some balance on self-examination. You can't, you can't continue to judge yourself for things that you've already judged and repented of because the enemy will try to make you remember every area you failed. Once you've repented of something and, and, and forsaken it, it is gone. It is gone. It, is, it has disappeared spiritually from the universe. It's gone. And so you forgive yourself. It's not right to keep reminding your, yourself or reminding the Lord of areas where you've missed it if you have forsaken those things. Well, I, I, I did it again. I promised not to gossip, but I gossiped again. Well, did you repent this time? Yeah, well, then it's gone. Forget it. Don't keep bringing it up. So I'm not talking about living a life of, of, uh, of self-torment where you're always just trying to, to, to uh, analyze and dredge up something. No, when, it's for, when you've confessed it, confessed it, God forgives it, it's gone. What I'm talking about is purpose in your, in your heart to move beyond those things. Because a lot of people, they say they, they repent but they're more sorry for the consequences than they are that they, that they violated God's conscience and grieved the spirit. You have, to, you have to really have a heart for doing right. If you have a heart for doing right, God knows it. And if you don't really have a heart for doing right, God knows it. And you can repent a hundred times, but if you don't really intend to change, he knows that too. Well, that's the truth. Glory to God. Amen. Uh, you know, we only have two commandments. 
Jesus gave us one commandment in John 13. This is the new, he said, I give you a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. Well, go over to 1 John. Go over to 1 John and look at chapter 3. 1 John 3. I won't keep you here much longer. 1 John 3. Just another minute or two. 1 John 3. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Let's start in verse 18. Little children, my little children, let us, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and truth. You know, some people are just all mouth. <laughs> By this we know that we are of the truth and will and will assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. Notice plural. And we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he has given us commandments. These are the two things right there that God requires of every Christian. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and love one another. See, it's not a matter of keeping the Ten Commandments. It's not a matter of keeping the law because we're, we're, we're not doing any of these things in order to be justified. We're justified by grace, by, by faith and grace. That's how we got saved. Amen? But we have two commandments, and that is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and to love one another. The Apostle Paul says that love fulfills the law. It totally satisfies all of the commandments of the law. He said if there's, if, if it's, and he lists two or three, thou shalt not uh, murder, thou shalt not covet, and he, and he lists several of those. And he said if there's any other commandment, they're all summarized by this one saying, love one another. Because a person who loves other people, if you're really walking in love, you won't lie about them, you won't steal from them, you won't defraud them, you, you won't, see if, you, if you're walking in love, it'll take care of all the other things. Amen. Always ask yourself, what would love do? What would love do in a situation like this? What would, how would love react? And just react that way, you'll always be good. You'll always be good. Praise the Lord. Well, amen. Glory to God. I don't have time to walk to talk about forgiveness tonight, but you know, you're, the, the apostle said you're taught of the Lord to forgive one another, love one another, right? You automatically know you're to forgive one another, to love one another, isn't that right? Well, praise the Lord. Maybe we'll talk more about that, but I think this is enough for tonight. Glory to God. I've got uh, another one. Hey, I came up with another one this afternoon, so this thing just keeps growing. Who knows? Praise the Lord. God is good, isn't he? Did you get anything out of this? Well, if, if you'll do it, you'll be blessed. And if you just enjoyed it, you won't. If you just enjoyed it, but you don't intend to do it, it won't help you a bit. We think we're blessed because we agreed. Oh, yeah, Pastor, I said 13 amens last night. I agree with that. I won't help you a bit. I won't do a bit of good unless you do it. Amen. Let's stand. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We magnify you. We glorify you. Thank you that the entrance of your word has given us light. We've received light tonight. We've received illumination You've revealed things from us. You've shown us things from your word that was a little cloudy or maybe we had looked at it a different way or maybe we've seen it in the past but we had, it had slipped away from us. You enlightened us tonight, Father, with the entrance of your word. We're grateful for that. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, we know in any trouble, in any situation, you are our way out. You're not, a, you're not against us. You're not our adversary. The devil's the adversary. You're for us and you'll help us. Glory to God. And so we boldly say, the Lord is my helper. He will help me. Glory to God. What can man do? What can circumstances do when the Lord is my helper? Amen. 
Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. You got something, Pastor Gilifia, Petron, and Denisha? Shizubra kahende sebeka. Zengeva bosusi grebe eshtomangete. Vesengra geshtugra. Emengre si ben shibata. Bahaj de lobustike ebesina kedere. Venjalista ka ejo sonze. Gesuvresima ka. Walk in the light and you have light. The more light you walk in, the more light you'll receive. I've never asked you to walk in light you didn't have. Walk in the light I give you. And when you receive more light, walk in that. And your walk will always be upward. You will always be stepping higher. Your walk will always be an elevated walk. You'll always not only be coming closer, but you'll always be going higher if you walk in the light you have and you walk in more light. For those who would have more light must walk in the light they have. Those who would know more need to obey what they do know. Those who would experience more need to need to obey what they already have. I've given you light. Walk in it. And it will take you higher than you've ever imagined. It'll take you further than you've ever dreamed. It'll take you into a walk that is so elevated and so much in my presence and in my glory. You'll pinch yourself in time, at times and say, can this really be me? Can this really be me, this man of the flesh who has such a tendency to do wrong? Can it really be me that I've walked into this place of glory? I don't know how it is except by the grace of God. It is by obeying the commandment of the Lord to, to, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and to love one another. It'll take you higher. Praise God. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.